0: Second down and 10, Bradford, look at the time. they'll take a shot, Blackman's there, touchdown, Ronnie Blackman,
1: and the Rockets go up nine.
0: NIU had another chance at their first win this year, slipped through their hands against Toledo last week. Tied 24-24 at halftime, the Huskies' offense fell flat in the second half and lost 41-24 to the Rockets. NIU now sits at 0-5 with only one more chance to get a win this year, and that's their game this weekend against the Eastern Michigan Eagles. Hey everyone, it's James Krause joined by Mike Knapp again. This is the Red Black Football Podcast, and Mike, it's another case of close but no cigar for this NIU team. We figured they'd take their lumps this year, but man, they took a, a, a pretty crushing loss.
1: Certainly, you look at that game and they were in it for, you know, well into the fourth quarter. Second half adjustments, not sure what's going on with those. Uh, It seems like other teams have found themselves really successful with the adjustments. They've made against NAU, but NAU's adjustments against the opponent just really haven't materialized. So I'm not sure why that's the case, but you couldn't have asked for anything more in the first half. I mean, they moved the ball. They played decent defense, all things considered. They were on path to score more points than they had in any game this season, although they ended up not doing that. But, you know, 24 points and a a half is promising. But, again, it comes down to for the third week in a row, uh, it's all about finishing the game. And they just weren't able to do that, which is, I guess, what you would call the next step in the evolution of this program and, and the young players is they've got to learn that when it, you know, when it comes time, you got to step up and you got to get the job done.
0: Let's talk about what went wrong in the second half. Uh, you know, two touchdowns by Bowers in the first half Tyrese Ritchie, it gets to a hundred yards in just the first half has a touchdown catch Harrison Whaley, uh, We'll talk about him later in this segment, but he is well on his way to his best game of the year. He gets an easy, easy 28-yard touchdown, where he went virtually untouched. Mm -hmm. Second half, just flat. Uh, No completions in the third quarter. Sacked three times, I think, in the fourth. Shut out. No points in the second half. What went wrong for this offense in the second half?
1: Well, Toledo started bringing pressure. Uh, That that's one thing. And and again. the huskies just didn't respond to that pressure. And I think that had a lot to do with it in terms of um, you know, pinning them into to one end of the field and um, not really getting the same sort of starting positions that they had in the first half. And that that's just been the big thing is coming out in the second half, uh, you know, it, it's three and outs for them. and I don't know how many games out of the first five this year where um, the opponent came out and scored on their first position in the second half. I know Toledo didn't do that, but, um, you know, there's, yeah, there's just a a thing that's going on with this team in the second half where the adjustments just aren't taking hold. And that's part of the learning process. So uh, we'll see what they learned from it over the last three weeks and see if they can put it into practice on Saturday. And
0: and you brought up the pressure that Toledo brought Uh, hammock, talked about it after the game how they seem to uh have the the Huskies number in the second half Harrison Whaley talked about bringing the 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 Rockets bringing a variety of blitz packages that that the pass protection the second half looked ready unready for uh most the time and we talked about Bowers is great when he has a clean pocket but when he he has a lot of pressure he's you know he doesn't have the escapability that maybe some other quarterbacks in the nation have, and, and that's going to create a problem for them.
1: Absolutely. I, you know, it doesn't matter what league you play in. If you have a quarterback that either um, doesn't want to run or is incapable of running, you're going to run into problems like this. And, and it's not like the field isn't open that Bowers could tuck the football down and run because there was. Um, I don't understand why he doesn't want to get in, more involved in the game outside of passing and handing the ball off. Um, I mean, you know, there were several opportunities and the one that stuck out in my mind was, um, I think they were down three, um, third and 12 in uh, in the fourth quarter, I believe. And uh, he takes off running and instead of staying on his feet and trying to make a play and trying to get to the first down stick, he runs out of bounds four yards short of the marker. And that doesn't make sense to me. It, does, it You know, I mean, and, and that's why I, I would be more than comfortable to see a changing quarterback on this team for the last game, because what is he what is he bringing to them? I, and that's just been my question for really the last two years when we've seen a guy like Marcus Childers go out and get the job done when uh, Dustin Fletcher shows flashes of brilliance. And I'd like to see Dustin Fletcher for an entire game, and, because I think, you know, he was pulled from the game after fumbling on Saturday, which was unfortunate, but you know, the guy makes plays and the guy uses his feet and, and you know, when there's a hole, he runs to it. And I would just rather see the Huskies lose with him than to run Ross Bowers out there one more time.
0: I I think I could agree to that. I think if they're going to start Dustin Fletcher this year, I mean, you've only got one more chance. You might as well do it. Uh, You know, regardless of what happens, this is going to be Ross's most likely his final game uh, with the Huskies, uh, unless he decides to take the extra year of eligibility that the NCAA is offering up to kids. But more than anything, I want to see what Dustin Fletcher can do besides running the ball. Uh, The only way they've used him this year is, is sort of in the role that Marcus Childers had last year, where they bring him in for a play or two to be the option guy. I want to see if this guy next year, when he takes over the starting job, uh, when he most likely takes over the starting job unless NIU can somehow bring in another big, you know, transfer or recruit or something like that, at quarterback, if this guy can win games, both ways, throwing the ball and passing the ball. Cause I think that clearly uh, uh, Thomas Hammock wants to run uh, a dual threat quarterback, but it's way easier when you can have one guy doing both jobs for for that case.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, You know the great thing about this season is for these younger players, and uh, we'll have a—I'll have a column coming out um, in the Northern Star talking about this. The best thing about these younger players is this year doesn't count. So you take a guy like Fletcher and you take a guy like uh, Whaley, and they're getting on the job experience, but they still have four years eligibility after this. So, and that's the case too for all the kids in the secondary. And, and every place else that, that, I mean, you know, we started nine true freshmen uh, the other day. And, you know, the great thing is, is that eligibility-wise, they'll still be freshmen in September, but they'll have played six league games, um, you know, going into that. So, you know, this season, and that's where the positive comes from uh, for this season for Thomas Hammock is just The opportunity to go out there and get these guys experience and get them six games of college level experience and the next year when they have to go to Atlanta to play Georgia Tech or when they have to go to Ann Arbor to play Michigan, they're going to be a little more ready to go than if that had happened this year. So, um, you know, that's the opportunities there to play people and who's ever planning on being here uh, next fall needs to play and uh, needs to play on Saturday and needs to play a lot of snaps.
0: Speaking of the the secondary you brought up, unfortunately they had a, a really rough day uh, against Carter Bradley, the backup quarterback actually for Toledo, as Eli Peters, the starter, uh, was out with a leg injury. Uh, late scratch for that game was actually listed as the starter up until we, uh, Bradley took the field. And Bradley had a career game, 432 yards, three touchdowns, did give up two interceptions, but it seemed that NIU all day long was giving up Uh, easy plays to the outside these medium passes that they were able to move down the field uh, pretty efficiently what was the secondary missing against Toledo
1: you know what I'm going to give that one to Carter Bradley I I take away those two picks and I mean he played an incredible game and you know if I were a Toledo fan I would be really excited for the next three years because you know when he moves into the that starting role I mean he's Big, he can run with the football. He's got an incredibly strong arm. He's very accurate. I mean, he showed his uh you know, he showed his team and his fans what they might see, you know, down the road. He was just outstanding. And I think part of it was uh part of it was maybe not getting a chance to prepare against him. I'm sure the team prepared for Eli Peters and uh, you know, may have been just as surprised as everybody else when when uh, Bradley came trotting out on the field. But um, I just thought he played an incredible game. And um, I, I think if the team's played again uh, this week, I don't think he would play as well. I just think he was just insanely sharp the other day. And, uh, you know, a young secondary got to look at, at, you know, a big, powerful strong on quarterback. And now they know what to expect the next time.
0: Yeah. You, you mentioned the preparedness and probably preparing for one quarterback and then you get another and you don't really know a lot about that said quarterback. Um, that being said, Thomas hammock pointed out uh, in the post game, cornerbacks weren't as physical as they need to be. They seem to play a lot of uh, softer zone coverage. Uh, and at the same time, it's also on the coaching staff. Cause When you have a guy who's able to get these wide open looks on the outside, I know Bryce Mitchell really torched them a few times. You got to go out there and you got to tell, you know, your kids, hey, you got to play tighter on these guys on the outside. You got to tell your cornerbacks they got to play better. Uh, Jordan Gandy, we praised him last week. He got that scholarship. This week uh, didn't have nearly as good of a game as maybe we've seen in the past. And the Huskies defense also suffered uh, something I didn't even realize until Uh, the end of the game. No Kyle Pugh last week at all due to an injury he suffered in the Western Michigan game. Although uh, a news note to come out of this week's press conference, he is expected to be back in the lineup this week.
1: I think he's a difference maker on that team. Uh, You know, a a fifth year senior guy who's played a lot when he's healthy. He's very good, Uh, you know, and and you got to have some good linebackers out there or you're exposing your secondary. And I think that's really what happened. I agree. I think the secondary uh, could have gotten up and maybe played a little more press coverage, and maybe um, you know should have been more physical. I mean, that's that's the job of corners and safeties is is to show a physical presence on on the defense, especially um, on those receivers. But you know, again, a credit to Toledo for coming out with a great game plan. I mean, um, I'd like to criticize the defense and the secondary. Um, you know, but I just can't because I, I'm just sitting here, you know, and replaying a few things that I remember in my mind and it just, you know, Carter Bradley just uh gun and passes all over the field. And uh, I don't know who could have stopped him the other day.
0: And then the last thing you, we, we talked about physicality from the secondary A guy who played physical all day was Harrison Whaley. Uh, mm-hmm. He had his first hundred yard rushing game in his career Uh, And after the game, Thomas Hammett kind of spoke to how special he was as a player. Uh, And it was kind of a a special moment because I don't think anyone really had any expectations for Harrison Whaley this year. And now I think he's really setting up uh, to be someone that they have as a big role in their future plans. Can you speak to what makes Harrison Whaley such a special running back?
1: I want to know where this Harrison Whaley came from. Um, you know, I mean, what makes him special, I think, is, is he's so physical. Um, he's, you know, not that it doesn't seem like he's the fastest guy, but, uh, he's very physical. He's very nimble. He stayed on his feet. Uh, you know, he's not a big guy and he's, he stays on his feet after contact doesn't go down easily, competes really, really hard. I mean, um, you know, it looks like he's very good at finding holes and, and getting through them I, you know his only problem this year has really been um, ball security and and hopefully he's uh, figured that out and and also he's been able to get out of the backfield and catch the ball um you know he had 30 some odd year what 34 yards of receiving on three catches the other day and
0: and that's something they've desperately needed all year it feels like
1: it's something they desperately needed for two years because as i've said Uh, As much as I love Trey Harbison as a person and as a running back, he just wasn't very good at catching passes out of the backfield. So when you can add that element of a 100-yard rusher, and then you can also send him out and put him out in a little – give him some space, throw him the ball, and and make him uh, do a couple of different things, then, uh, you know, you're just going to be even better. One thing I want to circle back to is um, you mentioned Tyrese Ritchie. Uh, earlier in, and it seemed to me that they just decided to go with the the defense of we 're going to stop Tyrese Ritchie and let the other wide receivers try and beat us and I think that was the case is, is that they put the game in the uh, hands of the other wide receivers, and they really were not effective and um, you know that 's another step to be made for next year with with young receivers i have a feeling richie 's going to come back and um, and uh, spend one more year here so they just need to find somebody who's just as good as he is on the other side of the field you know so then you have more than one uh, threat to go to and and that's what uh, this team was missing on Saturday was another receiver stepping up and and uh, you know making them pay for putting so much uh, attention on Tyrese Ritchie.
0: I want to tell you how scary I think this this running back group is going to be in the coming years. Uh, have you heard the name recently, Ontario Brown? No. Ontario Brown. He's the fourth ranked running back in the state of Georgia. Uh-huh. Uh, he is an NIU commit, and he is among a group of top five. I saw this on some ESPN graphic. It was like. Uh, Georgia, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State is where the other guys were going. And I might have that wrong, but like that's the level of quality of running back Thomas Hammock is trying to get on this team. And it's going to be insane, I think, in a year or two when you've got Collins potentially being a fifth-year senior uh, if he decides to stay uh, longer uh, than the four years he has. Uh, You have Whaley if he decides to stay, and then you have – if this uh, commit comes through Ontario Brown, he like this is going to be a a Loch Ness monster of a running back core. And that's just from what we could see this year. I do like what you, you said, though, about them needing to get uh, some skill positions uh, other than running back kind of nailed down. And probably on both sides of the ball as well, because we're going to have a lot of uh, linebackers leaving this year.
1: Yeah, and the one thing I really like about um, the coaching staff is that they're recruiting Georgia and Florida really heavily. And to be honest, I mean, if you're looking for skill position players, you've got to go south. You know, I mean, as as much as as much pride as I have as somebody who covered Illinois high school football for a long time, as much pride as I have in, in the products that this state turns out in football, it's nothing compared to Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Texas, California, Uh, you know, if you want fast players, if you're going to build a roster where you're just going to, you know, go back to the old days of Iowa, Michigan and Wisconsin and just build these big lines to run behind, um, you know, that's what you do. You get the homegrown uh, guys from the big guys from your own home state, which, you know, it seems like they seem to do, but then you got to go south to find those real true skill players. And, And I'll tell you what, I mean, if they're bringing in, uh, you know, a big-time running back from the state of Georgia, they're bringing in a big-time running back.
0: Well, speaking of big time, this game coming up on Saturday is going to be big time. We're going to talk about that right after this break. So now we get into the last game of NIU's uh, shortened schedule this year due to COVID, and it's against – uh, an opponent that uh, prior to last week was also winless, the EMU Eagles. Uh, they're one and four now after a big win over Western Michigan, and they got a big help from their quarterback, Preston Hutchinson. Mike, tell me about, uh, Hutchinson and and what are some of the things he brings to this EMU offense that seems to, even in a down year for the program, be really, really effective.
1: Well, I mean, he's completing 62% of his passes. So, um, you know, averaging about 284 yards a game, uh, 10 touchdowns, which is tied for uh, for third in in the MAC. And um, you know, he just brings that element of being able to. Uh, you know, he's fairly efficient. He just brings that element of being able to throw the ball, throw it downfield. Um, you know, I I think the one thing that maybe, and I know he didn't have any this past week, but um, I know one thing maybe the NIU secondary a look at is he's thrown. Um, six interceptions, which leads, uh, which leads the league in in that category. So, um, you know, but he was sharp, just the same way. He was really sharp against Western Michigan the other day. Threw 300 yards and threw for three touchdowns. And um, it seems like just not having seen him since last year, it it really seems like um, you know they just have to get pressure on him. Uh, if you look at what happened last year here at home. Um, you know, it was a, a 20 point win by Eastern Michigan. Um, and it really was some scoring on some big plays and, and uh, taking advantage of some MIU mistakes. And I think one thing they have to do is, um, you know, make him make decisions that he doesn't want to, which means getting back there and getting pressure on him, uh, hitting him a couple of times, and, and maybe he'll throw one to, uh, to an opposing player. Uh, but we'll we'll see what happens with that. Um, you know, I, I the one thing I've noticed, too, though, is they average 413 yards a game. So they really don't run the ball all that well. And that's the thing. If they take away the pass, then it'll force uh, EMU to start running the ball. And I think that just plays into NIU's favor.
0: Hutchinson had a uh, record in the first half against Western Michigan, at least a program record, 267 passing yards. 15 of 22 passing. You mentioned the running game. Darius Boone uh, had a pretty good game against Western Michigan, uh, 148 yards on 25 attempts. He got his first uh, collegiate touchdown and running game was really something uh, that broke the back of the Huskies last year. Shaq Fawn had 107 yards against NIU. Uh, The defense, however, is a a gray area and it's where they've probably uh, could point to saying they lost a few of their games because they weren't able to be up to snuff defensively. Daniel Crawford this week, the tight end, you would think a, a receiver would be uh, more talking about attacking in the pass. He said they got to run the ball this week to really open up the offense. What kind of things do you expect NIU to do against EMU?
1: Well, this would be we'll, – we'll jump on this uh, bandwagon again. It would be a great game for a dual-threat quarterback to start, um, You know, mainly because they give up 248 rushing yards a game. So this plays into NIU's hands in terms of um, starting to show an ability to run the football is that, uh, and this is the kind of game Thomas Hammock wants to get into where they can hang on to the ball for a long time. They can run the ball. I know we'll talk about the weather here in a minute, but um, you know, if if they can get the run game going and just eat up clock like crazy, then uh, you know, that's just going to, play to their advantage. And it seems like Eastern Michigan may be a willing partner in that scenario.
0: Eastern Michigan, the third worst rushing attack in the Mid-American Conference, uh, and their passing defense isn't much better. They're the fourth worst. So we're going to see how uh, Harrison Whaley might be able to attack, how Aaron Collins might get incorporated a little bit more uh and like you mentioned we'll see if Dustin Fletcher gets a little bit more playing time in there maybe gets the start uh and we we start to see some of the things uh kind of in development in in the making for the NIU offense that uh we haven't gotten a a huge chance to see this year
1: I'm really curious about what happened to Collins over the weekend because we didn't see him on the field or maybe he was out there but he didn't touch the ball at all and I'm a little curious, uh, you know, I know you've had uh, been in on a couple conversations that I haven't in terms of press conferences and stuff. Did Coach Hammock mention anything about that?
0: Collins, I believe, played, but I don't think he ever got uh, any touches. I don't know if it was a matter of injury. I know Cole Tucker, uh, we mentioned Kyle Pugh in the first half of the show. Cole Tucker was suited up for that game, but he, I don't think, ever took the field at all. Uh, He's been dealing with, I guess, an injury. He was listed as the number one receiver, but I don't think he ever even took a snap at that. Uh, And I don't know if Toledo ever had to punt the ball. So we never saw him in the return game. Uh, But according to coach Hammock, he's feeling good. We should probably see him this week. Uh, And also one last thing, Lance DeVoe, not listed on the uh, depth chart this week for NIU, presumably done unfortunately for the year. Uh, And we'll see if he comes back next year, with the extra eligibility he gains. Last thing I wanted to talk about in terms of the EMU game, it's something that NIU has been waiting for sort of all year after how bad the weather was for them in a lot of their games last year. Weather forecasts as of now uh, show show there is about a 50 or 70% chance of rain and even snow uh, coming up in Michigan this weekend. Thomas Hammock has talked about all year this team Uh, because of COVID uh, and because of just wanting no excuses, preparing outdoors through all sorts of different types of weather, through rain, through the cold, through snow, uh, they're finally going to get a chance to show some of the skills they might have developed in those conditions. What is the biggest thing that that weather might be a challenge for them for? And I think we have the same thing in mind.
1: Um, I would think throwing the ball. Um, I know, you know, and of course I've heard, and I mentioned this, I think, on another episode, but uh, you know, there have been some uh, offensive-minded coaches in the past that said the only thing that can really stop uh, a passing game is wind. But uh, you know, when the when the ball is is uh, when the ball is tough to hang on to, and when you're throwing it at 40, 50 miles an hour and expecting somebody else to catch it, you you know, rain and, and uh, moisture is going to play uh, a factor in that. So. Uh, You know, it'd be a perfect game for Thomas Amick if they just uh, if it was rainy and snowy and they just could hand the ball off 50 or 60 times because I know that's, uh, you know, the kind of game that he likes to call as a as a coach. So, um, you know, let's just see what that running game uh, has going for him on Saturday, because I think, again, um, that will be what wins or loses the game.
0: I thought uh, we would both say that it's holding on to the football. I mean, obviously, <laughs> at, the, at the beginning of the year, it was a big problem, and everyone kind of uh, was very, very worried after that five uh, turnover game against Buffalo. But as the season's progressed, I think they've gotten better at it. But even last week, you mentioned Dustin Fletcher uh, getting uh, the ball knocked out of his hands. It's going to be a lot easier for that ball to, to hit the turf uh, in rainy or wet conditions. We'll see how good of a job. Uh, either team does in, in holding on to it. And I think it's going to come down to whichever team can do that and, and commit uh, the least mistakes uh, in terms of giving up fumbles or dropping passes uh, is going to be the team that probably comes out with the win. Let's go real quick to the three and out, and then we'll wrap up this episode. First two Mid-American Conference games were canceled ahead of the final week of the season. Ohio Kent State and Miami Bowling Green were both canceled. Due to COVID-19 outbreaks causing roster issues for both games, the cancellations, the 4th and 5th of the season, have decided the East Division for the undefeated Buffalo Bulls. Second, one game in the MAC West will decide the Bulls' opponents for the conference title game on December 18th. Western Michigan and the Broncos will head to Ball State and face the Cardinals at 11 a.m. Saturday on ESPN+. The winner will go on to Detroit. And finally, the Big Ten announced their decision on Tuesday to allow Ohio State to play in their conference championship game, despite not playing the minimum required six games. Ohio State had their season finale against Michigan canceled, leaving them at 5-0 and still ranked third in the college football playoff. The Buckeyes will face Northwestern on December 19th in Indianapolis, hoping a win will help their chances at making the playoff. 0-5, 0-5, it's the first time NIU has been 0-5 since 1998, uh, since uh, before I was born, personally. I don't want to bring up Mike's age, but that's no. fine. Uh, but uh, but it's been a long time since NIU, I guess, has struggled this much. And unfortunately, because of COVID, because of the shortened schedule, this is the last chance they get to pick up a victory. Do you think there's a lot of added pressure going into this week? I know a lot of players say they want to win every week, but – Like, this is your last chance to. I can assume there's a lot of pressure going on this.
1: I would think so. I I, I think anybody uh, who, you know, plays sports at at any level, um, you know, wants to succeed, of course, and they always want to win. And they have a lot of – they're very proud people. And so um, I don't think this team or anybody on this team, whether it be the coaching staff or the players or whoever else – Wants to be known as, you know, a team that went through a, an entire season without, without winning. And, you know, um, especially given what this program has done over the last 10 years and the fact it's one of the winningest programs in the country and um, to have a year like this. But, you know, I, the more thought I give it, and, again, in, in the column that we'll see uh, here in the next day or two, this team, is I'm making the prediction – that this team's going to win 10 games in two years. Uh, you know, I don't I, 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 don't know what next year's going to look like, but I think in two years, this team's going to be a 10-win club. And, um, you know, I think that's what uh, we as uh, media, we as fans or whatever have to look forward to. Unfortunately, there will be players who will play their last game on Saturday and won't be a part of that. So, uh, you know, I'm sure they'll want to go out with a win. And, um, you know, of course, EMU, their seniors and, Everybody are wanting to do the same thing. So, um, is there pressure? Yeah, there's probably pressure just from a personal sense. Um, I think they want to. I think they want to get a win, and that's the best way to to launch yourself into next season when um, it's a full season and when uh, it's not so crazy. Hopefully, you know the best way to launch yourself into that is is to win your last game of the previous season.
0: For the last five weeks, NIU's left the field with a bad taste in their mouth, and they've tried to get it out with a win, and they haven't yet. But I tell you, a win in the final game of the season, that would be pretty sweet for them, and that'd make up for a lot of the issues they've had this year. We'll tell you about this game against EMU and all about uh, things to expect in the future for this program in our final episode of the season. That's next week on the Red Black Football Podcast. Red, black, red, black Red, black, red, black Now Ritz. this is the law of the jungle oh, Old she and she true as the scab The husky that keep